So last week, um, I've already mentioned that in our um, service with Richard, he looked at how um, Jesus had restored Peter um, to friendship again, told them that he loved him unconditionally, even though Peter had denied him. And then we're looking this week um, at quite a different Peter. Um, and as I read this, it really struck me um, that we, last week and in all the weeks in our mini-series, we've seen this um, very fumbling, this doubting fisherman, um, prone to outbursts, um, leaping into the water to either get to be the first to be with Jesus um, or to walk on water with him, um, and then he denies him. And then we read here um, in Acts chapter 3, um, someone very different. He's confidently healing, um, and he's speaking boldly. So really, the question for today is just this. What has happened to Peter? What has happened to Peter to bring this incredible change in his life? Now, we're used to a lot of change in our world, aren't we? And um, we see caterpillars becoming butterflies. Uh, we see seeds growing into beautiful flowers around us. We see the sun changing one minute from beautiful sunshine to thunderstorms. Um, we see children growing into adults. Um, we see people changing. And uh, yesterday, um, my family and I, we had the privilege of spending the afternoon with my dad on his uh, 90th birthday celebrations um, for tea. And he has seen amazing change in 90 years. And my brother gave him one of those cards um, that has the date of birth on it. So 1928. Seems an awfully long time ago, doesn't it? And in 1928, baked beans were invented. And the TV, colour TV, was um, shown for the very, very first time. And I think about how much change my dad has seen in 90 amazingly long years. He's seen good change. He's seen bad change. But it's really good to remember that change can be wonderful. And what I want to suggest here in this passage today um, is that what we see in Peter's life is the most incredible change of all. But how do you go from being someone who one minute denies your best friend, who hides from the authorities for fear of reprisals because of this friend's death, to being the person that we read about here in Acts 3? Maybe Peter's just been shaken into realizing that what Jesus said was the truth. Maybe it was his conversation with Peter on that beach last week when Jesus reassured him that he loved him unconditionally and he had a job for him to do. But when you read this passage, you realize there's something more than that. There's something far deeper, far more radical going on. So the question is, what has happened to Peter? And as you read this passage, I think what's really interesting is that the people around Peter, they also need an explanation. They don't quite get what's going on. So perhaps they're also wondering not what's just happened to the lame man, but what has happened to Peter. Maybe they recognize Peter. He's a good Jewish man. He's perhaps one of the local fishermen. Perhaps some of them recognize him. But Peter doesn't take any credit for this himself. And we're actually going to skip over the bit about the healing, and we're going to look at what Peter says to the crowd first. So if you look at verse 12, Peter saw, when Peter saw this, he saw the crowd running to him, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? 
And then he goes on to remind them what's been, what's been happening in Jerusalem over the last few days. He says, you should have known what's been happening. You've seen how Jesus was crucified, but also risen. You've seen him alive. There are witnesses that say that um, Jesus has been, has been seen alive, and the number of believers are growing. So Peter asked the crowd, why are you amazed at this? Haven't you been watching? Haven't you been listening? How can you have missed what's going on around you? Now, Peter wants the people to know that this change in his own life hasn't just happened from seeing his friend come back from death. And I don't think the best course in mindfulness or positive thinking or anything could do this radical a change in somebody. And so when you look at the miracle, that's the proof that something incredible is going on. That miracle is proof that there's a power going on here that changes lives. There's a power to heal, a power to transform. And we've actually skipped over the chapter that tells us what's happened to Peter. We've actually, we should really go back and read the whole of Acts chapter 2, because what we've done is we've skipped over Pentecost. And thank you to Mike earlier for being one of the children and, and saying, actually, what we've missed is the Holy Spirit here. And if we read the whole of Acts 2, you would realize that this is when the Holy Spirit was poured out on God's people, as Jesus had promised. And in Luke 24, Jesus had said to his disciples, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And this is what God had promised through the prophet Joel. And in the prophet Joel, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. And it's what Jesus had also explained to the Jewish leader, Nicodemus, in John 3. And he'd said to him, you must be born again of water and of the spirit. And just as a slight diversion, I think it's at this point that the early church must have really started to understand the nature of the Trinity, a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three gods. These were good Jewish men and women. They followed a monotheistic religion. They knew that there was only one God. But after Jesus' resurrection and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they realized that there was more to God than they realized. And when they reread their scriptures, when they looked at our Old Testament, they saw God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit written all over the pages, right from the very beginning in Genesis 1, when we're told the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, and God spoke. And in Genesis 1, we see God the speaker, or the Father, we see God the spoken one, or the word, the son, and we see God the Holy Spirit, all involved in creation. And I find that quite mind-blowing, right at the very, very beginning of the Bible. And now the new church, they're beginning to see that the word has been made flesh, the spoken one has been made flesh in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out on God's people so if you look back to the passage, Peter's trying to explain this really complicated theology to his fellow Jews around him. And in verse 13, he tells them, he says, it's the same God. He says, the God who called Abraham and Isaac and Jacob 
and Moses and all the others. This is the God who chose a people to know him and love him. It's the God who rescued them and called them to make him known to the rest of the world. It's the God who promised that he would be their God. And Peter says, guess what? It's the same God. And he's calling you again. And I think Peter wants them to know that something incredible is happening at this moment in time. You see, when Peter speaks in the name of God the Son, the Word, the one who is there at the very beginning, when Peter speaks in the name of Jesus, there's life. It's new creation. We're seeing the creator God who is living and active, and he's keeping his promises once again. And, and um, here, Luke, he uses the name of Jesus, or Peter uses the name of Jesus a few times. And we understand the importance of names, don't we? Um, names represent power and authority. Modern ambassadors, they represent their countries and their governments using their names. Um, we perhaps know someone, maybe we are even the someone, where um, when you use your name, it gets you places. It might get you on in the world. Someone just say, just use my name. So we know the power of names, but there is more to this name. And if you read through the rest of Acts, you'll, you'll realise that Luke uses the name of Jesus really regularly here in this healing, but he also uses the name of Jesus in other places, um, about forgiveness, about baptism, about suffering, and about exorcism. There is something about the name of Jesus. But just in case the crowd haven't quite got it yet, Peter explains further, and he uses other names for Jesus. If you look in verse 14, he calls him Holy One and Just One. In verse 13, he calls him the Servant. And when people, when the crowd listening to this, they, they would have got this. They would have understood that, that uh, Peter at this point was referring to Isaiah, Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 53 centuries earlier. And this was God rescuing his people. It was a promise that God would come as a servant to suffer. And his suffering would bring real justice. God was known as holy. He was known as righteous. He was known as just. And Peter had seen this firsthand. He'd lived with Jesus for three years. So he had seen the sheer God-centeredness of Jesus' life. He'd seen the utter integrity and the total love which Jesus always displayed with that ultimate act of love and sacrifice on the cross. As Jesus bridged that huge gap between humanity and God, who is holy, as Jesus was bringing healing and forgiveness and wholeness and restoration. And in verse 15, Peter sums all of this up as he refers to Jesus as the author of life. Jesus is the one who brings new life, new creation. He initiates and pioneers a new way of living, but he doesn't just bring it, he is new life. What an amazing description of a healing. I think that's quite incredible. Um, so we've skipped over the healing, but if we go back to the actual healing itself, um, at the beginning of the passage, Let's just think about this man for a minute, this man who'd been unable to walk all his life. He's sitting in a public place. 
in full view of devout Jews on their way to prayer. And this man has been placed outside the temple. He's an outsider. He's unclean. He's not allowed to be part of the community of God's people. And this healing at this time of day, in the afternoon, on the way to prayer, it's also the hour of the evening sacrifice. And therefore, this healing is probably pretty controversial. And when I read that passage, it really reminded me of um, when Jesus stood up in the synagogue, which is recorded in Luke 7, and Jesus shocked the congregation there, and he said that he was the one that was going to bring the poor and the blind and the lame into the kingdom of God. That he was the one that was going to bring everyone, including and especially the outsiders. And in this very first healing in the new church, Peter is clearly carrying on the work that Jesus had started. It's a demonstration of God's kingdom coming on earth. And it's a kingdom that's really topsy and turvy in nature. And this is why Peter wants the crowd and he wants us to understand who Jesus is. But more than understand, he wants us to experience who Jesus is. You see, Peter knows that using Jesus' name is not just about words. It's not a magic formula. It's not just about head knowledge. It's not just about Jesus, Peter using Jesus for his own purposes, even if what he's doing in healing is very charitable. Peter tells us in verse 16, he says, he has faith in the name of Jesus. Peter is living life with Jesus. And this means being caught up in the love and the life of the Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's Peter living as he's meant to be living. He's becoming the person that God intends him to be. He's living connected to the one who's created him. And sometimes we sort of quite glibly use the phrase having a relationship with Jesus. And actually Peter had had that, hadn't he? He'd lived with Jesus for three years. But actually there's more to it than that. This is Peter. He is being drawn into the incredible and beautiful mystery of the God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like he's been caught up in the love and the life of the Creator God. And as our Creator God dances and breathes and lives and brings new life into broken creation around him, it's like Peter's caught up in that as well. And he's getting involved in this healing and this transformation. And this is what Peter means when he says that this man has received new, complete wholeness. This is what faith in the name of Jesus offers us. It's life that's transformed by the power of God, not just externally, but as that deep, present, living force within us, working through Peter and through this man who was healed. This is what's happened to Peter. He lived with Jesus. He saw Jesus healing, calming storms, walking on the water, raising the dead. But now Peter is also experiencing this power and this new way of living. So although Peter was physically with Jesus then, now he's walking with him in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we no longer see a man filled with doubt or fear. Now he probably will have doubts and fears again. He is human. And as you read on in Acts and some of the letters, you realize that Peter still goes on to make mistakes. So he's not perfect, but he is being transformed. But this isn't just some first century story. 
This is also a 21st century story. This is my story. And for many of you, this is your story. And for some of you, perhaps this is a story that you long to have in your own life. See, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and we can live transformed through the name of Jesus, being the people that God designed us to be as we live lives connected with our Creator God. So for the last few minutes, I just want us to think about this. Where am I this morning? Where are you this morning? Do you have the joy of experiencing God like Peter? Now, we know that life is not always going to be on a high like this. We don't always get to see healings every day, although obviously we love, we love to and we long to. Life isn't always plain sailing. And if you read on, Peter's going to have some really difficult and challenging times. Walking with God like this doesn't lead to an easy life, but it's an exciting life. And it's a life full of adventure and transformation and it's a life which can bring transformation in others' lives too. So perhaps this morning you're being nudged to help bring transformation in the life of someone else, to be used by God in a way that's going to bring healing and wholeness to other people. So I pray this morning that you'll have confidence to live and speak about what God has done in your life and through you, so that others will live transformed lives too. Or perhaps this morning you feel like that crowd looking on, one of the bystanders who Peter speaks to and asks, why are you so amazed? Have you not heard what has been happening? Maybe you haven't experienced Jesus in the way that Peter experienced him yet. And if this is the case, I really want to encourage you to look at the life of Jesus and the claims that he made. Speak to others here who you know experienced Jesus in this way. Ask them what it's like to be transformed by God who loves us. And often as a church, we run courses and things to help us think about these things. And we're running Alpha again in the autumn term. So if you are interested, um, then have a think about um, attending something like that later on this year. Well, what about this man who was healed? Who actually, we haven't thought about a lot this morning. We've thought more about Peter. But this man who was healed, he was just sitting there, wasn't he? in his usual place, waiting for some good money, to good people to drop in a bit of money for him, just so that he could get by. And to be fair, that's actually all he was asking for. All he was asking for was some alms. He wasn't asking to be healed. He wasn't asking for a miracle. Perhaps that's all he thought he deserved. He would have been brought up believing that that was his place in society. And perhaps that's a little bit like us sometimes. Perhaps we just think we're here to make do. Um, to get by. But you know what? When God gets hold of us, when God, when God transforms our lives, we find ourselves, like this man, up on our feet, dancing and jumping and singing and praising God and suddenly finding a voice wanting to tell other people that God can transform us and can transform their lives too. So where are you this morning? And we're going to take a few moments just to quietness now. And I'm going to pray in a minute. And I'm going to pray a prayer that actually is for all of us. Because whatever point of the journey we're on, we all need to know this deep and transforming love of God. So the prayer I pray, maybe you've prayed it a thousand times. 
but maybe it's your first time of praying it. And it's a prayer that just simply acknowledges that we need to know the love and the life of God, that we experience this life through the love of Christ on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit poured out in our lives. So let's be quiet for a couple of minutes and then I'll pray and then we're going to spend a bit of time in worship again. Father God, I long to know your life-giving power working within me. I need to know the deep love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to live my life deeply and truly connected to you, as you offer forgiveness and healing and wholeness through the cross. And we pray, come Holy Spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.